Welcome to episode 58 of Drew's Sports Crew. We are back here. No Bernie Vandenhoevel this week. Instead, I brought along Jared. So as I said, I'm going to kind of have co-hosts fill in with me along the way. Last week was Bernie. Thank you, Bernie, for coming along. This week's Jared. It's Jared from Journey to Million, I should add. So how are you doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having me on this week. Looking forward to it. Yeah, coming off a great day of Milwaukee sports on this Easter Sunday. Uh, we'll talk all about it. We'll talk about what Marquette did. We'll talk about what the Brewers did and the Bucks. So that'll be later in our weekly sports talk. But as I said, you know, these past weeks about the upcoming changes and rebranding at the start of episode 57 last week, I kind of aired, you know, a two, three minute clip explaining like what, what the plan is. So if you've not listened, please go back and listen to that. With that here, let's go into the shout out of the week. And Jared and I, before the year, we talked about it. We decided our shout outs of the week. We got two people, Brooke Lopez and Trevor Gotten. Both of them rightfully so, Jared, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Middleton, awful game, holiday same. Lopez kind of um, picked it up, you know, having 11 points in the first quarter, kind of slowed down a little, but he uh, ended up with some clutch and ones at the end of that game. And then Trevor got, um, Dan, um, Devin Williams got into a little trouble in the bottom of the eighth or top of the eighth. He uh, walked in two runs, I think, and gave up. No, he walked in a run and a hit. So he gave up two runs and Trevor got comes in in the eighth with the bases loaded and he gets the out. So shout out to those two guys this week. Yeah, Trevor got um, talk about what he did. He came up big and so far his numbers, uh, they're looking great. Uh, we'll get more on this in the baseball you know, in the baseball segment here, the Brewers weekly talk, but let's just say the K rate right now is in the 86th percentile out of all MLB pitchers. So looking very good right now, looking like a good signing for the Milwaukee Brewers. But with that here, let's go into the stats of the week. I got a good, a good chunk here. A lot of good stats, a lot of crazy stats that took place this past week. So I got to touch on them all here. Starting with the home opener. There is a near homer from Christian Yelich. It, it was a whopping 109 mile per hour off the bat. And it was 409 feet. And two, day, two days before that, so that would have been April 12th, he hit one 111 miles per hour at 398 feet. And last year, he only had one ball all season hit at least 109 miles per hour and 390 feet. So good signs for Yelich. The walks are still there. Walks are up as well. And the exit velo is up for Yelich. I'm not worried. I think Yelich is going to look better than he did last year for sure. Jared, what do you think about Yelich? I mean, yeah, if you can get back to his 2019 self MVP season, I mean, not even that, just better than what he had last year. He had nine home runs last year. Although he hasn't hit one this year yet, I mean, it's it's there. His exit velo is there. His contact is there. He has a few strikeouts. Um, I had a Cubs fan that pointed that out to me today, actually, that his last few games he's had a few strikeouts. That's still there. Um, he's getting on base, though, so that's all we can ask for him, really. That's what we want. And, you know, you wish Exavilla would be up considering they're batting him at the three spot, right? You know, getting maybe more RBI opportunities. But, hey, it'll do right now. I, I think I think he's okay. And I've seen we've seen good signs from him. And next stat here, that Jonah Heim grand slam we saw for the Rangers off Shohei Otani was the first home run Shohei Otani has allowed ever on his splitter. So in, and that's an MLB, of course, you know, taking into account his his games in Japan, but that's that's a crazy stat there as well. Uh, next stat here. I love this stat. I always like to find good stats, and I'll, I'll dig for them, and here's one of them. The four hits 
in a game, including a leadoff home run for the Pittsburgh Pirates, their franchise, in the last 70 seasons. Jared, did you see this? No, I didn't. All right. Well, there's six guys, you know, and I'm, the sixth one was added Thursday. So there's Bill Allman in June 22nd in 1986. And then next one here, Barry Bonds. Chris Duffy then joined it in 2006. Andrew McCutcheon in 2009. Kevin Newman in 2019. And then Daniel Vogelbach yep. joins that list on Thursday. That. Yep. Four hits in a game, including a leadoff home run. Daniel Vogelbach, the, the Brewers will face him Monday. So, you know, it's great to see Big Dan. Everyone loves him. You know, I, and that's going to be, hopefully he'll get the rightfully deserved standing ovation. Probably won't see him Monday as Lauer's pitching, but I still want to see Big Dan back. What so, do you think of him in the in the leadoff spot? Big I love it. I love it. You know, we see Jorge Soler bat leadoff or the, the Miami Marlins. I mean, we've seen these big power hitters bat leadoff. Look, Daniel Vogelbeck, he gets on base, and I totally like the decision to do that. He can walk. His walk rate's nice. He does not chase. I think that's it's a good decision there. But talk about bad decision here. LA Angel, the, the Angels, uh, Joe Madden, he becomes the first manager to order an intentional walk with the bases loaded. While trailing in a game, since Jim O'Rourke of the Buffalo Bisons did on August second, eighteen eighty-one, so there's a stat there, and Angels won that game, and that kind of leads into my other stat where teams right now they're seven and zero when they issue a bases loaded walk, intentional walk since nineteen hundred. You're seven and zero, so you know, Jared, what did you initially think of Joe Madden's decision there to intentionally walk Corey Seager with the bases loaded? I'm not a fan and I'll get I'll get into it, but I want to hear your thoughts first. Well, I had the same reaction as Mike Trout in center field that he's pointing at the runners like, wait, what, what just happened? Like he was confused. And I was like, he's not Barry Bonds. Like you don't need to walk Kyle Seager or Corey Seager to, you know, allow it's one run. I get it. You're avoiding bigger damage, but like it, I don't think that's worth it. I mean, you're allowing a run attempt, like, you know, it, I don't, I don't like it at all. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it worked out, but like, it, it's stupid. I don't know. I just don't like and that you allow a run just like that. It, you know, it, it worked out in the sense they won, but <laughs> follow the intentional walk. Uh, there's a sack fly and then a block. Uh, yeah. It didn't really work out, you know, in that inning, but again, they, you know, they, they got it. And I, I know Madden pointed at the block on why, it, you know, it hurt, but come on, you, you, your pitcher was flustered. The dude just walked, intentionally walked in a run. I, I guess we saw this in 2008. The last time was when Josh Hamilton was given the free pass, also by Joe Madden, and that again, that was a Josh Hamilton, you know, young one that was leading towards his prime. I mean, these were some of his prime years, and you know, you could maybe understand that. But again, he was no Corey Seager hasn't been at that Josh Hamilton MVP level, you know, that we've saw in his early careers. So. I still am questioning this decision. I know there is some people on Twitter who is like, this guy's got to be fired on the spot. And again, Mike Trout's reaction was, was priceless. That was, that was gold, but who was on deck? Interesting stat. It was Mitch Garver. Okay. And that's yeah. So, uh, I mean, personally matchup wise, I guess if you want to go righty on righty, if he felt more comfortable with that, but still it's Corey. I mean, I, I know Corey Seager, he's a great player, right? Still not that Barry Bonds, maybe even prime Josh Hamilton level. Yeah, I think that prime Josh Hamilton one might be a stretch too, but whatever. Angels still on just interesting things that happen in baseball. Next stat here, still in the world of baseball. Yankees have now allowed two walk-off walks over the last 15 seasons. And guess who was, who's been the culprit for both of them? 
Roll to Chapman. He's been on the mound for both. 2017 against the Red Sox was the last one. Next one in NBA, the Pelicans, they started 1-12 on the season and made the playoffs. They are the fourth team to start 1-12 or 0-13 in a season and reach the playoffs. That joins the 96-97 Suns, 84-85 Cavs, and the 67-68 Bulls. So, interesting company there. Four. Like it swept, but they made yeah, it. They still did it. They still did it. Okay. Last stat here, NFL, a little bit to a little journey in million here. Most receiving yards since 2019 for receivers. Jared, I'm going to ask you to try to guess. There's there's five of them. It's top five. I'm going to try to ask you here. Guess who are the top five receivers? With the most receiving yards since when? 2019. Since 2019? Um, okay. Adams? Adams, he is number two on this list. Okay. Is Jefferson up there? Jefferson is not. Okay. Nope. Chase is young. It's not going to be him. Um, is Cup up there? Cup is number one, and I'll give you three through five. Savon Diggs, number three. Travis Kelsey, number four. Hopkins? DJ Moore. Colin oh, Ratzak's DJ Moore, number five. So just that kind of rounds out the stats of the week. And let's go to on this day, Jared. On this day, April 18th, 2022. Here we go. 1923. 74,000 people on hand for opening of Yankee Stadium. Only six, 62,281 of them paid. So they got some, you know, some people snuck in there for free or something. I'm not sure what happened, but on this day, 1946, Jackie Robinson, he debuted as a second baseman for the Montreal Royals. So add that said, Jackie Robinson day being, you know, it was April 15th. That was, it's always great. Glad that happened this year. I know there's some concern with the lockout. It's always a fear of mine. And 1958 NL single season game, single game record crowd of 78,682 people at Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum as the Dodgers. They win over San Francisco six to five. Bill Russell in 1966 on this day becomes the first African-American coach in NBA history. And that's for the Boston Celtics. True winner, true competitor in Russell and just, you know, a great, great moment there for the Celtics and Bill Russell on this day, 1991. John Stockton, he breaks his own NBA season assist record at 1,136. Do you think we'll see Stockton's assist record ever be broken, Jared? Um, only if Chris Paul stays in the league for a few more seasons that, that he might be the only one that could possibly catch it. But I mean, I don't I don't. That's a great record. I don't think I'll be beaten, though. Yeah, there's some records that are going to be hard to beat. And I think his steals record, right, his assists, right, those records are going to be tough to beat, guys like Chris Paul. Maybe we'll see a garden, you know, LaMelo Ball can keep assist numbers up, you know, for 20 years, the way he's he kind of did this year, maybe, right? But other than that, of like current NBA players that are young, I can't really, you know, maybe see. Maybe Darius Garland. I mean, he's having a few games yeah, where he's been having yeah, a lot but. but- I, he doesn't seem like one of those guys to me that, that would do no. that. So last one here, Jared, I include this one just for you on this day, April 18th, 1980, 1998, the NFL draft, Tennessee quarterback, Peyton Manning, first pick by the Indianapolis Colts. And what a great pickup, you know, for the Colts. Uh, they didn't mess that draft pick up, Jared. No, they didn't. I mean, great pick, great player, Hall of Famer, got him a Super Bowl. I mean, not much else you can ask. Yeah, so. There it is, Colts legend there. And with that, let's go to our weekly sports app. We're going to start in the world of baseball. We're going to do the Milwaukee Brewers, of course. Talk about how this past week went. 
talk about the Brewers prediction challenge. So round one was last week. Number one featured myself against Bernie. I did lose. I did say they would go six and one. I like them this week. They look, you played three games against the Orioles and then you play the Cardinals at home. And I mean, the Brewers played terrible this past week and they still, they still, you know, split the season series or the, the four game series. And then they against Cardinals and they won two out of three, you know, from the Orioles. So still, you know, not a bad week whatsoever going four and three. I think. You know, I'll take that, but I, I did say six and one, but Bernie does win this one. So how it works is Drew's Owen Drew's Owen one. And then the people, you know, I'm just grouping all the guests together. You know, the guests right now are one and oh. So Jared, maybe you can get the guests to two and oh as we'll we'll start right away with the prediction challenge here. And how this works is I'm gonna read, you know, the six games they have. So it's a three game series against the Pirates, three game series against the Phillies, and that one's at Philadelphia. So keep that in mind. Pirates is at home. And you're going to tell me how you think they're going to do this week. Are they going to win all six? Are they going to lose all six? What are the Brewers going to do in these six games? Um, well, they got the Pirates um, for three. Pirates are five and four. Not a bad start, um, especially for the Pirates. Phillies are four and six. I think we win with Burns and Woodruff. We lose with Peralta. He's been shaky. So that'd be two and one. And then I think that the Phillies take uh no, I say we win both series two two to three two out of three. So I would say four and six overall. So four, four and, and two. two, four and two. And how this works then is if I go up, I get five and one, six and zero. Oh. If I go lower, you get them right. If that makes yeah. sense. So who's ever closer doesn't matter if you go over. So you put me in the spot. Do I go five and one or three and three? And with me, look, Pirates. <laughs> I like go five and one. I like going yeah. up, and I love rooting for my team. So I'll go five and one. Jared goes four and two. So we'll see how that pans out. But let's talk about last week's action here. They got the three game series against Baltimore to start it this past week. And the Orioles home opener. Look, they got shut out for it was the second time of the season. And at that time was the MLB lead. It's still, I think they're tied for the MLB lead, maybe in shutouts, but it was, it was a tough start offensively. And Jared were able to catch some of that series. What did you think? From the Brewers, I personally, I, I have some opinions that I'll gladly share. Just want to hear what you what you think first. Yeah. Um. So their pitching has been uh not the best, not living up to all expectations. Offense is kind of the same as we thought it would be as last year. I mean, their their most runs scored in the game so far is like six, and that was today, I think. Um. So against the Orioles, like home opener, getting shut out, that's that's embarrassing against against the Orioles. I mean, anyone getting shut out is embarrassing, but that's that was tough um winning the series was decent um it's just our home opener we won five to one against the cardinals that wasn't exciting but then we lose the next day ten to one so it's like this team is confusing still um mediocre i'd say we're only we're four and or now i think yeah we're five and five now i'm pretty sure right are we four and five five and five 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 and five now so i mean getting back on track hopefully hopefully they can take two out of three if not sweep the pirates but i mean so far it's been Kind of a little underwhelming for me. Yeah, you're spot on with that. Um, yeah, being able to catch myself all the games last week. Um, yeah, uh, basically the bats. It, it looks right now like the 2020 Brewers, and I hate to say that offensively, but it just does. It's Hunter Renfro. He's been on five game streak, and he he's been hot as of late. His he's been trending upwards, but Yelch had a rough past week. Uh, Wong finally, you know, Thursday he finally, you know. 
started getting hot. The same with Narvaez as well. But it, it's as of late, you know, offense has not looked good, especially, you know, in that that Baltimore series was not ideal, especially that first game, you know, being shut out. But, you know, they, they've really stepped up here as of late. The 5-4 to four win, 4-2 four against Baltimore, that series, it was hoping. I, I was truly open for a sweep. This Baltimore team is not good. Uh, they, they're starting guys who should not be starting baseball games right now, and that's that's just in the position they are in right now. But, again, St. Louis, that Thursday game, I was at the home opener for the Brewers. I was posting on it, the story and such, but they, they played. That was their best collective team win all season long, I'd say, so far, Jared, and I'm sure you can agree with me on that, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, this team looked at the stats today, has five home runs so far through 10 games. Um, who has one? Uh, Narvaez has one. Adamas has one. Mike Brasso has one. Rowdy Telez has one. And then um, Caratini, one? Caratini yeah. had one the other day, yeah, yesterday. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just been, like you said, the 2020 Brewers. You hate to see it. You hate to say that. I mean, they went 20, what, 29 and 31 that year. Yep. Um, in the short season, and that's really what it's looking like. They went out and they got Hunter Renfro, who's been on the upward now, but he started out pretty bad. And they even got McCutcheon, so they upgraded their offense. Oh, they they lost um, obviously El Garcia, but their pitching's been there. Um, offense has gotten better, I think, over like player wise. They just haven't been able to show it, and it's looking like you said the 2020 Brewers, and hopefully we don't go down that road. Look, I don't think we will. Uh, Brewers and I. Like- Pitching's been okay. Uh, they have the highest walk rate right now in baseball. Part of that being uh, Freddie Peralta's struggles. Locate, I mean, every star has actually had struggles locating this here. New baseballs, I've talked about this. All state, all 30 stadiums have a humidor now. And what that does, as we mentioned in prior episodes, kind of takes some life out of the baseball, right? This is what's used at you know, Coors Field. Had one implemented Chase Field in Arizona, right? Some of these, uh, some of these places where the ball flies, uh, they've had... But they, what they've done, they've used humidor, and now all thirty, all thirty stadiums are going to have a humidor to store their baseballs, and that's something at the story. Not many people talked about the start of the year, so I'm not saying that's part of the Brewers' offensive struggles because some teams have still thrived offensively this year, but certainly can't help, right, with this Brewers squad. And I don't know. I, I think they'll they'll be okay. I'm I'm not worried. I think this team still wins ninety plus games, wins the division, right? I, this again, baseball is a marathon. Not a sprint, and so far the Brewers off to kind of you know classic Brewers start in April, kind of sluggish. Like, all right, let's wake up, bats, come on! But I think this Pittsburgh series this this upcoming week, you know, gives them an excellent opportunity to wake up those bats. So, I mean, with that, Jared, you got anything else to add here before we talk? I mean, smaller stuff. It's still yeah, it's still early. The Pirates, like I said, are five and four, and they're not going to win more than you know, sixty games this year or so so predicted so i mean yeah there's you can't really look at standings yet or anything like that so i mean we got a long season it's 162 games so it's we're through 10 games and they're 500 so i mean you can't really make some judgments yet they played the cardinals they're good but maybe hoping for a little better so far out of the brewers yeah and so far uh the top hitter ops plus wise rowdy telez 158 is his ops plus but other than that you know yelich again Yelch looks good as I pointed in the exit velo stat. Trevor God looks good. I mean, I want to touch on that still. Hater looks um, really good too. Hater looks awesome. Some concerns with Devin Williams, right? That's something that I still think it might be probably because look, 
I mean, Devin Williams, best best changeup in baseball. What are you gonna do? Sit on a changeup? That's what teams have done. That's what no, and that's worked because can't locate the fastball. Three walks today. Doesn't he doesn't have something he can fall back yet? He's not he's not developed enough to you know kind of have that second pitch maybe to work with because now it's been all changeup these first few first few seasons for him and he can't he can't roll like that. So I'm really hoping they he kind of makes that adjustment here. But Trevor got Jared talk about. An ad that nobody talked about. I mean, we talked about it here on the sports crew, of course, but expected ERA right now, 81st percentile, Jared. He is one of the top pitch top relievers right now, top pitchers, I'll add, in baseball right now. So and I know it's small sample size, but things are looking good for Mr. Gott here. From the Giants, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, do you I mean it's still early, like I said, but I mean, if this keeps up, you might want to consider Gott your setup, man. I mean Obviously, Williams is struggling right now. We have Boxberger and Jake Cousins, but Gott's been probably our second best pitcher, if not third. I mean, we have Hader, who's been lights out so far. But, I mean, Gott's been really good coming in in that clutch moment today, um, saving the game, basically, avoiding further damage. So another arm in the bullpen that we can trust is always amazing, especially with this elite pitching staff that the Brewers have. Exactly. And Watching Ashby start Sunday, look, he got he got screwed over by the bad defense. Colton Wong having a bad defensive game. That doesn't happen every day. Really, you know, I really hurt his pitch count. That hurt his runs. I mean, they were all unearned. But again, you know, Ashby's look great still. Ashby is phenomenal. I mean, that Aaron Ashby stock, I am buying. I'm buying his stock. I'm buying Tyrone Taylor's stock. And I still I still like Keston Hera. I think he's a guy who he's a guy, you know, He's looking good. I mean, he's putting together good at bats, and that's what I've been watching this whole week. Is can he put together good at bats? And he's so far exceeded my expectations. Look, he took a walk on Sunday. He drew a walk. Uh, we and he was laying off pitches that I, I mean, 2020, 2021, I've seen him. Uh, he was swinging away on some of these pitches, and he's looking a lot better. So that's something to keep in mind for the Brewers. But again, these guys, they it's all about. I mean, Council says it's best in his post-game, you know, conference. It's about putting together good at bats, but it's about that. And you know, some days they haven't been just putting together those good at bats. And you know, Sunday was one of them. They put together some nice at bats. Dakota Hudson walked a lot, walked a lot of batters, and they really took advantage of that. And yeah, this weekend's gonna be or this upcoming week pitching matchups. Well, there's some of them I'm looking for. Mitch Keller has been he's a pitcher for the Pirates, who we'll see, I believe, Tuesday. Uh, that's going to be interesting as he's kind of, you know, he, he's looked a lot better this year. So I, I know the numbers like last year, if you look at them, oh my goodness, this guy's terrible. But is he from the Royals? Nope, that's that's Brad Keller. Oh, the, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. There's, there, yep, there's two Kellers, but I believe we'll see Zach Thompson on Monday. Yes, we will. And yeah, I, I misspoke. We'll see Mitch Keller Wednesday. So. Keep that in mind against Woodruff. JT Brubaker against Corbin Burns on Tuesday. But yeah, I think this is the series for the Brewers bats to wake up. So with that, let's talk some Marquette here, Jared. So why we're talking Marquette, you may ask. Do you know? I don't think I do. So what Marquette does, they get an Easter splash. Um, the Easter money comes to Marquette and they get a surprise. They get the NAIA player of the year in Zach Wrightsell. He will play for Marquette next season. So I know it might not seem like a lot against the NAIA, right? How how is he gonna fare at the high major level is the question, but I think his game translates nicely. He averaged 19 and 19 points, nine rebounds, four assists, two steals a game 
as a senior for the 37-1 and Loyola New Orleans squad. And they won the NAIA championship with that. He is, you know, he's a proven winner, right? And he had some D1 offers and he decided to go to Marquette, commit to Shaka Smart. I mean, we see a lot of guys do that. And so far, Jared, the one concern here, though, you know, in college basketball, especially at the high level, uh, he shot well. Like I said, he, he his game was going to translate well, but the shooting aspect might not. Four for 27 on threes the whole season, 38 games. So I don't know what your thoughts are. I, I know you probably haven't heard of this guy before, but listening, you know, to some of his, you know, accolades, are, are you excited if you're a Marquette fan? I mean, I'm, yeah, like you said, I'm no expert. Uh, I don't really know this man, but I mean, Marquette's been really good at um, recruiting over the past few years, obviously. So, I mean, yeah, any, any small guy like that, I mean, if his shooting comes around, I would be really excited. It's just maybe not as much of a shooter, as much as like a DeMar DeRozan kind of player where he can just get to his spot and, and hit his shots and kind of, you know, come off the three-point line a little, little bit. I mean, maybe he just doesn't shoot any or he develops it. But, yeah, I mean, I'd be excited if I was a Marquette fan. Yeah, he's taking the scholarship spot from Greg Elliott, who, you know, it seems like he's kind of the Marquette's version of Brad Davison in terms of being around forever. But uh, with that, uh, talking, we got to talk about Wisconsin's transfer too, right? Kamari McGee? Yeah, I mean, we lost players like Davidson. Um, Davis is always, I mean, obviously gone. Um, so I wouldn't, I'd say obviously the Badgers team isn't uh, as good, but not with Kamari coming in. I mean, we got Chucky Hepburn, still a young team. Uh, Tyler Wall still there. Um, I mean, it's not as promising as this year was. With I mean, obviously this year was not promising because uh, we were projected like not even in the top ten of the Big Big Ten. But I mean, I don't know. This team is looking for new players, and he'll help us a lot because uh, Davis is gone. That's a big, big, huge hit for the team. And with Davison, obviously the experienced veteran on the team gone. So I mean, yeah, he's looking promising. Wisconsin will be interesting next year. We'll talk about it here on the podcast. Tyler Wall is coming back, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, again, he's a guy who I think is going to make a nice leap. I think, I think there's going to be some expectations for Wisconsin uh, next year that maybe they didn't have at the start of this past year. But uh, with that, right, let's go to Milwaukee Bucks. Let's talk about NBA playoffs, but we're, we'll specifically, we'll start the Bucks here, right? Um, game one took place. Is all said and done now as of time recording. So we'll recap it here. As you all know, the Bucks did in fact win that game 93 to 86. And Jared, I'll start with you. You know, what did you think of game one? Of course, I got a lot of thoughts to add, but overall, Bucks get the job done at the Pfizer. This might have been the worst played game the Bucks have played in a long time, maybe all year even. Um, it was hard to watch. Giannis did his part, um, 10 for 19, 27 points. Um, free throws were kind of lacking a little bit. I think he started three for eight. Um, he hit a few after, at the end then, but an average game for Giannis. I mean, we expect a little more from him on the free throws. He's improved that over the year or this whole year. Middleton having 11 points, four for four for 13. That's not Middleton at all. Um, expect a 40-piece from him to um, on Wednesday might happen, the inconsistency. Holiday, uh Decent 15 points, six for 16 is not good though. And then Brooke Lopez, we shouted them out at the beginning. Um, shout out of the week, he's he stepped up big. Um, in Giannis Aaron Middleton's um poor showing, so Lopez came came through and uh helped this team secure that game one win, exactly. And this Bucks second half, I, I guess I wouldn't say this is the worst Bucks showing, you know, overall because defensively they play very well, but 
offensively. I know they put up 93 points, but come on. They were on track. You know, they had 51 in the first half. They put up only 42, and it was, it was you know, just midway through the fourth quarter, it was in the 80s. It was not low 80s. So looking at that, it was tough offensively, not good whatsoever. Poor basketball. Uh, you know, they got, they got the shots and a lot of possessions, but they weren't falling. And I got to shout the Bucks believer here because I was texting him, Clay Taylor. I was like, I was like, you got to get Brooke Lopez involved. He, he's got to, like we saw him in the first quarter, do some things and they didn't give him the ball in the second or the third. And right after I texted that, he got the end one and then he had some tough lay-ins and he, he kind of took over near the end, made those baskets in crunch time, closed it out. So really happy. Brooke Lopez answered my text message. So I, I think that's how it worked. But with that, uh, Giannis played phenomenal, right? 27-16. He looked like the MVP. But other than that, you know, DeMar DeRozan, 6 for 25. Uh, Nikola Vucevic was able to take advantage of, you know, the pick and pop that Brooke Lopez, they, they you know, it's the classic Bucks defense. You're going to say, off, you're going to let him shoot threes. He shot 2 for 10 from 3, 24 points being their leading scorer. And Levine in his playoff debut, 6 for 19, 18 points. Look, the Bulls didn't shoot well whatsoever, and I think they should be happy with how they played, only losing by seven. Look, uh, if the Bucks' offense was any, you know, if it was anything remotely like we saw in the regular season, this should have been a thirty-point game. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just crazy how the. I mean, the Bucks played good defense, but I mean, six for twenty-five, nine for twenty-seven. They're missing so many shots. Um, Vucevic took eight more shots than Giannis and scored three less points. Um, and he like carried their team basically because DeRozan and Levine were not hitting at all. 18 points for each of them. Um, and then obviously Vucevic with 24. Um, the one thing that kind of bothered me in this game, obviously Giannis was in full trouble, but as soon as they were on a run, the Bulls would go like on a, like they'd hit a three when Giannis is out of the game. Then we'd come down and like Portis, who has not been shooting the best lately, chucks up a three, misses it. Connaughton gets it, shoots a three, misses it. Then Grayson Allen shoots a three. We just isolation ball. It was so bad when, yeah, I mean, Giannis and Lopez were both on the bench at that time. We had Portis and like Wesley Matthews holiday. Um, just hard to watch when you're, when the team is struggling to hit a shot and we're getting bailed out by the Rosen missing 19 shots in this game. Why like decent shots too? shots. He'll probably hit in the next few games. So, I mean, if those shots go in and the bucks keep doing what they're doing, hitting or missing all those wide open threes, I mean, could be more of a series than most people are seeing it as. Yeah. Um, point out Holiday Milton combined from three, two for 11. Want to add on Pat Connaughton? <laughs> three for 17. Yikes. Like, this isn't this isn't winning basketball here, you know, and offensively, I, I got to add, but they're getting the shots. Like I said, it's just a matter of them falling. I, again, Brooke Lopez getting him, at, getting him involved down low is going to be key in this series. Like Vucevic. He he's he's played soft. Uh, he wasn't playing well defensively. On you know on Lopez, a lot of breakdowns, I'd say. But overall, and even against Giannis, I, I feel like if they got to attack the paint. This is how how the Bucks team both beat this Bulls squad four times in the regular season. Now they're five and zero against them. It's because of their inside play against this team, not shooting the ball. You know, however many times, go back to what works. Go back to you know taking advantage inside. Until they build a wall, which, quite frankly, they have not done that yet. And, and to an extent, maybe we saw in Toronto. 
I, I wouldn't worry about, you know, going three point. It seems like the three pointer right now is the forte for this Bucks. It seems like, as you mentioned, this the the thing they've been relying on, but other than Giannis, right? But you know, for these other guys, I'd love to see Milton attack more. So, you know, he's settling for those contested mid-range fadeaways. I, I can just, you know, think about them. You're even the seven threes he took, right? Milton needs to be more aggressive. And like you mentioned, the Chris Milton cycle, media now has called him out and how it works. Now he turns into prime Michael Jordan for a few games. So I'm going to enjoy watching this. All my Chris Milton is good shirt on. And with that, we can hope for some more success in game two, right? Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to point out. So trade deadline, we had a huge acquisition. Serge Ibaka comes over. He gets zero minutes in this game. Do you think DiVincenzo, would, if he's not starting for Matthews, do you think he's a great bench player? I mean, something. Give us some minutes. We got Javon Carter getting some minutes. Um, Grayson Allen had zero points in 18 minutes. I mean, obviously Connaughton, 18 minutes, one for seven, like you said. But like having Ibaka just sit the bench now after we traded DiVincenzo for him, I mean, it's like... Me personally, I would, I mean, anyone probably looking at this would easily have choose uh, DiVincenzo over Serge Ibaka right now, just for some bench minutes and some depth. Well, my thing is the only big that really played for for the Bulls was Nikola Vucevic. Uh, they didn't play Tony Bradley. Thompson played seven minutes. I think, you know, it's based on who they're playing. I think Serge Ibaka does not match up well against this Bulls squad. They've They ran small ball a lot and you know, Brooke Lopez playing 32 minutes, I think, is, is great to see because I think, you know, maybe in or in Coach Bud's first few years here, maybe he would have only got like 20, 25. I think I, I feel like, again, he just doesn't match up well against this against this Bulls squad based on the small ball. I don't think it would have worked out, but I certainly think we'll see Serge Ibaka in later series. I think we'll see him against Boston or Brooklyn if it gets to any of those two. But I, I don't think Serge Ibaka might be a factor in the series. Well, even, I mean, with Boston, if they win, Robert Williams is out. So, I mean, they have Tyson uh, Tyson Horford. But, yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying. Like, obviously, you play matchups like last year against, um, was it the, uh, yeah, it was the Nets. When uh, Bryn Forbes comes in, and he plays all these minutes and hits all these threes. Then the, the next series, yeah. Then or the Hawks, next, yeah. Hawks, you, you see him. the Hawks, you don't see him at all. So, that could definitely happen. I mean, yeah, they have Tristan Thompson and, Obviously, Vucevic, and that's all they have. So, I mean, yeah, we have Portis and Lopez on them. Um, so, I, I I get that. I see Serge. I'm not going to say we shouldn't have made the trade yet, I guess. But we'll see if the if the Bucks should, when they should pull out the series. Um, we'll see in the next few series, if or next series, I guess, if Ibaka does get some playing time based on matchups. Your concerns are fair, though, right? If you go out and trade a guy, you better be. You yeah. know, give up a guy like DiVincenzo. He better be playing in, in big games. I, I completely understand the concern, and I think, you know, that, that, that's a fair point, but again, like I mentioned, I think matchups is the way to go, and I think that's the way Coach Bud has gone, and he's proved it, and that's the way he's going to go for you know for future games. So let's talk future games for the Bucks here. April 20th, 8.30 p.m. tip on TNT is Game 2 or Bally Sports Wisconsin. April 22nd, Game 3 on ABC, 7.30 p.m. tip. And then Game 4. 12 p.m. on ABC as well, April 24th. Those games three and four are in Chicago. Bucks only need four, so I'll just read those. And let's go to other games in the NBA playoffs, Jared. I'll take it or you'll take it over here. Um, what, what have been your favorite series so far in round one? Um, two of them. Obviously, we got Celtics and Nets today. Great series. Um, nothing's really going to beat that, I don't think. I mean, 
that was a great back and forth game. 15-0 runs here, 10-0 runs there. Um, Kyrie stepped up huge. Um, Tatum closed out the game with that buzzer beater. Just a great shot, and I'm looking forward to probably six more of these games. I'm thinking that's going to game seven. And then also the more most intriguing series, I think. We got a, a young, scrappy um, Bulls, or not Bulls, uh, Grizzlies team going against the Timberwolves with Patrick Beverly, who has ignited fire in that Timberwolves team. Um, that series, the seven seed Timberwolves ended up winning game one against the Grizzlies. And seeing that series, I think is going to go six, seven games. I still got the Grizzlies, but I mean, that, those games are fun to watch. You got John Morant throwing down posters here and there. Cat, Cat um, Carl Anthony Towns throwing down a poster on Jaron Jackson Jr. It's just a great back and forth game or series it's going to be. So I'm looking forward to both of those series. Yeah, um, I know you mentioned the Clippers were going to be there. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> yeah, uh, the Team Wolves are going to do. They're still proving your take. You know, has was a good one, right? With yeah, you know, I, I like to think Malik Be- Beasley. You know, had a big game as well with 23. But I want to talk about what I, I mean. When I mentioned, didn't we talked about Tyrese Maxey, right, Jared? You yeah, know, him needing a big game, and what did he, he do? Had a big game. <laughs> he had a big game. game. Look, you know, if you guys do your DFS anything, you know, daily fantasy sports for the playoffs. Might as well just listen to us, right? <laughs> but as of right now, too, we're, we're just way on the Pelicans Suns game. Pel or Pelicans are not doing well right now. Uh, the Suns up fifteen, no surprise there. But overall, yeah, NBA playoffs has been great. Um, I recommend to watch. Of course, that the, the two series Jared mentioned and the Bucks Bulls; those are three series I'd pay attention to. Also, I think you know Nuggets, Nuggets Warriors, maybe, and then some of those four and fives, of course, as well. But but that's it. Want to go with some trivia here? Um, one more thing, and then we can go, go to trivia. Um, so we got the Hawks and Heat. I don't think that game goes more than four games. I think the Heat are going to sweep, especially if Trey Young is hurt. I mean, he had he shot one for twelve today with eight points for Trey Young, your best player, shooting that bad, zero for seven from three. If he doesn't step up, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he'll be back. If he doesn't step up and start, you know, having some good games together, putting them together like he did last year, I don't see this this Hawks team pulling out a single win. I think the Heat are going to sweep them in four. I got Heat sweep there after what I saw. You know, that was tough, tough to see mm-hmm. out of the Hawks for sure. Not really. I, I expected some sort of fight, but it's not looking good right now. But I guess with that, Jared, you ready for some trivia? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So. In honor of our journey to a million, which you can hear Friday, we'll have two teams on for an off, two people on for an off-season preview, covering two teams. I got some sleeper, maybe not sleeper style, but over-under style trivia, Jared. So this is just like our favorite stuff here on Sleeper, the over-under game, the classic DFS, Daily Fantasy Sports. And it's okay. for the 2021 NBA season. Okay. The 2022. So it's the regular whole season? season, regular season, and okay. this is for. Here's the first one. You'll you'll see how it works. Did Chris Milton have over or under twenty points per game this past year? He's right around there. Um, I think he was slightly over. Correct. He was over with twenty point one. This is how it's yeah. working, Jared. You're one for one. Bucks over under wins on the road this past year. Twenty five is the line. So they had 51 on the year. So that's like half. I'm going to say they had some good West Coast trips. I'm going to say over. Under with 24. Uh, okay. Those, those two are going to be the toughest. And here we go. Bobby Portis this past season, over under 10 rebounds a game. Did he average a double-double? Did he? 
he played for most of the year. Uh, honestly, no, slightly under. He was under with 9.1, so you're two for three right now. How many teams finished with 50-plus wins? You get options here. Don't worry. Okay. A is six teams, B is eight teams, or C, 10 teams. So you can talk it out. What do you think? So there's obviously Heat, Sixers, Celtics, Bucks. I'll add 51 or more. Five seed. Oh, is that Sixers? Wait, Sixers were the no, Raptors of the five. They don't have 50. You got the Suns, Grizzlies, Warriors. Read the options again. Six, eight, or 10. It's six. It's eight. It is eight. Jared is right. It's B. So he's three of four. The team with the worst record in the NBA this past season was who? Um, well, the two fifteen seeds are the Magic and the Rockets, so it's one of those two. Um, is it the Magic? No, or is it the Pistons? I'm gonna say Rockets. It is the Rockets. Can you give me the record? Yeah. Um, oof. I'm gonna say two twenty five wins. Twenty twenty. 23, 23 wins. 20 and 62 is the record. Wins. It's okay. Oh my God. Four out of five for Jared. Not bad whatsoever. He did great in this sleeper style trivia. Was it fun? Yeah, that's that's surprising. 20 wins. I wow. I do enjoy some good trivia. And I decided we'll make a journey to a, to a million theme <laughs> for, for Jared here as he is a part of that show. And with myself and Zach Roush, you know, Friday, you'll hear us. But with that, Jared, thank you for coming on. And you got anything else to add today? No, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. It's always fun being on the sports crew. Yep. And thank you for coming on as well. Really appreciate you filling in here. So with that, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Jordan Drew underscore sports crew. On Twitter, JD Sports Pod. YouTube, Jordan Drew the Sports Crew. And yeah, thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Drew's Sports Crew, the perfect podcast for you.